What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Week 8 Recap of The Rundown. I am your co-host, Ben Peterson, alongside with my The Bengals Are Officially Back co-host, Justin Tavner. Justin, how you doing today? Dude, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I mean, this Bengals team is exciting again, finally. Uh, But yeah, man, after this performance, how can I not be feeling great, you know? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't care about all that because we have breaking news. Will Levis is the GOAT. All right, let's chill. (laughs) It's been one game and they were playing the Falcons. Let's let's not overreact here. In all seriousness, though, what a debut for Will Levis. Um, You know, we'll get to that in a little bit and we'll get to your Bengals in a little bit. I know you're excited to talk about that as well, as you should be. Like you said, the Bengals, they're putting it all together. It looks good. But first... Breaking news out of Minnesota, Kirk Cousins officially tears his Achilles. Um, My initial reaction is, I just, I hate this, man. I hate it. Kirk Cousins had finally, like he has been playing out of his mind this season, and they were finally starting to string some wins together, and all of a sudden we had gone from, eh, the Vikings should sell stock to, wait, are they actually back in the hunt? Kirk Cousins was playing, you could argue, his best football of his career. And, And then this happens like i just man i'm I'm heartbroken for him yeah man me too like like you said like it, it was like the vikings that turned a corner they got a big win against the niners they come back they're they're playing well against the packers you know still pick up that win they're actually in a playoff spot right now and then this happens and it's like man like and, and you know like especially with a guy like Kirk Cousins, because he is such a, a, a genuine, at least from what, I, what we can tell, he, he seems like just a genuinely good human being. And, and like you said, he's playing some of the best, best football of, of his career. And, and for something like this to happen, and it's like, dude, that's such a just, it, it, it's it, like you said, it's heartbreaking. You know, you, you never want to see that happen. No. Uh, to, to a guy who's, who's playing this well. For sure. And, I don't know, like, I'm not into the conspiracy theories and all that, but at the same time, it's like, I feel like we're reading about an ACL and an Achilles every week, don't you? At least at least yeah, one especially, person especially every week. A, Yeah, especially a major player, too. I mean, uh, who was it? Kendrick Bourne out of New England. He tore his ACL this week, mm-hmm. and he was their leading... Uh, he was their leading receiver thus far, so. Well, he would have been kind, of, he would have been kind of an ideal <clears throat> trade candidate for um, the Raiders with Hunter Renfro, like what, what we talked about what was that last week um like i just you hate to see it but has kirk has he played his last game in a vikings uniform it's i don't know it's it's interesting i know they were talking about potentially moving on from him and then all of a sudden they started playing really well and i just want to i just want to quickly say i don't believe that any of the vikings problems this season have been because of him dude i've been saying that all year yeah (laughs) i've been saying that all year it's their defense uh and just 
play calling. Like, Kirk Cousins has been playing electric all year. And so, you know, I I think kind of the attitude around Minnesota is that maybe this is the end of his time there. But, I mean, it remains to be seen. I don't know how you trade or cut a guy after he literally puts his his, his football life on the line for you. Yeah. Um, he's, what, 35? Uh, he's up there, yeah, somewhere around that age. So, you know, we're, we're, <clears throat> we're starting to get into the kind of the talk of could this have been potentially his last game in the NFL ever. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you don't see a lot of 35-year-old quarterbacks tear an Achilles and, and come back, and, I mean, unless you're Aaron Rodgers. Um, in which you, case, but, in which but, case, you're dropping back to throw two months after surgery, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that's not a that's not a common thing to uh, to happen. So no, um, I mean, I I don't think it's his last game ever. Um, but I won't be I won't be shocked if it might be uh, his last game in a Vikings uniform. Yeah, I think especially with Kirk going down, I think that definitely changes the attitude, especially with like the Justin Jefferson negoci- negotiations. I can't see can't see him wanting to re-sign if the team is just garbage, you know, they've got nope, they've got some random guy backing up um Kirk. I just I can't see Justin Jefferson re-signing with them at this point. So, um yep. you know, now if you're Minnesota, uh you know, you start looking around at the quote-unquote quarterback market. And uh, we've got some got some elite guys out there. We've got uh, Carson Wentz, Joe Flacco, Nick Foles, Colt McCoy, Jameis Winston, and then there's always the option of like a Ryan Tannehill or something like that. Justin, if you're Minnesota right now, out of I guess out of the names that I gave you, uh, I know you've got a lot of great options. What do you do here, or uh, do you call Tom Brady's agent and <laughs> see how how much he might like to come play in the cold? Yeah, no. <laughs> um, l- luckily, they do have a, a an, an enclosed stadium. But uh, honestly, I mean, out of the guys that you named, um, I mean, you got Nick Foles there. He's a Super Bowl, you know, MVP. Uh, Joe Flacco is a Super Bowl winner. Um, Carson Wentz was, you know, in the running for MVP a few years back before he got hurt. Isn't isn't Joe um, Flacco like ninety? Yeah, dude, he's. Oh ancient (laughs) i remember when he was on the ravens carving up the Bengals, and that was like 10 years ago easily um honestly out of the guys that you listed i would probably give a call to james winston same i i think out of out of the five maybe six options that you got which aren't great i think james winston probably gives you the best uh chance to to continue where you're at i think he i think he fits that system a little bit better than any of those guys um and, you know, I, I think either him or Carson Wentz are probably the two guys on that list that have um, maybe the biggest chip on their shoulder and have the most to prove um, because, you know, they are they are backups right now and they are fighting to to regain a starting position. Um, and, whereas the other three guys, I mean, yes, they are backups, but, um, you know, I, I think they're all towards the towards the end of their career where. I think Jameis Winston and Carson Wentz probably still have more left in the tank. Um, so, you know, if I'm the Vikings, those are probably the two guys that I call up. Um, I don't know about Tannehill just because he is injured right now and the trade deadline is, you know, 4 o'clock tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of. So, I said that a little bit as a joke, but... 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, probably probably Winston or uh, Carson Wentz would be the two guys that I'd I'd uh, I'd be calling up right now. Yeah, same. I definitely think uh, Jameis Winston, like you said, I think he's I think he's the better like dual threat kind of kind of better quarterback there. Carson Wentz, though, I will say he did have the Colts in playoff consideration before he then immediately had them out of it himself. But I mean, he's proven he can be a serviceable quarterback, and I think that. Minnesota would have more than enough weapons and um, be able to scheme around him or Jameis really well. Like like we said, Joe Flacco's 90. Um, Nick Foles hasn't been on a football field in a couple of years. And then... Um, I couldn't even tell you where Colt McCoy is at, where, where he is right now. I'm not even... Is he still playing? I. That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um you could tell me he's in the Canadian Football League, and I'd probably believe you. Right. <clears throat> and then, you know, like I said, with Ryan Tannehill, that was mostly a joke, but um, he may – I mean, he may have just lost his starting job with Will Levis, but who knows. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, so let's kind of let's kind of leave this topic again. Um, just we hate it for Kirk Cousins. Um, you never want to see a guy, especially a guy of his caliber, um, go down like that and just wish him a speedy recovery. Uh, obviously, he's a avid listener of the rundown. So when he, when you hear this, Kirk, uh, best wishes, man. <laughs> Let's move on now to the recap of Week Eight. We'll start, um, of course, with Justin's Bengals, um, as they. Uh, can I say one thing really quickly? Go for it, my guy. Who they? Who they? Who they think gonna beat them Bengals? Who they? Who they? Who they think gonna beat the Bengals? Not the 49ers. Okay, you asked if you could say one thing, and then I lost count. Um, <laughs> as he said, the Bengals absolutely thrashed the 49ers, who are apparently reeling for the rest of the season from that <laughs> from that loss they had two weeks ago um, to the Browns. Uh, the Bengals ended up winning this game 31 to 17, and I'll be honest, this game was close at one point, but it never felt close. Uh, the Bengals felt like the better team from the get-go. Um, Joe Burrow had three touchdown passes. Um, it finally felt like he had a coming out game, which he has been waiting on for so long. Um, and Jamar had a hundred yards, you know, Brock Purdy did have 365 yards throwing. He had one touchdown, two interceptions. George Kittle had 149 yards. So, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a horrible game if you, you know, minus the, you know, the two interceptions, but the 49ers just look lost right now, man. Um, you know, we'll start here. Uh, the Bengals are back. Um, I think they're playing like an electric unit right now. They're playing really well. Um, Zach Taylor is staying out of the way, and he's calling plays that seem to focus more on his players' strengths. Um, I can always tell how the play calling is going whenever Justin's watching the game because the amount of times he angrily texts me about Zach Taylor will either grow or shrink depending on how, how the play calling is going. That's um, true. But yeah, uh, I think we're officially at the point now where we can say the Bengals are back. I know we were a little cautious with them at first, but um, they look good, like really good. They're finally hitting their stride, which, I mean, they needed to, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> as far as the 49ers go, I I think that Browns loss may have broken this team. Like, they were the unquestioned best team. Like, we were talking about them as potentially one of the better teams ever just four weeks ago and now here we are three weeks later and it's it's not good (laughs) um no it is not it is it is uh the wheels are falling off fast it's ugly brock purdy looks just absolutely rattled in the pocket like he does not look his confident self like he has been um even when 
things are going well. Like I said, he had 365 yards, but a lot of that came in what you might consider garbage time. Um, and he couldn't get the he couldn't get the job done. Like he would get a lot of yards, and they would turn it over or go three and out, and the Bengals would get the ball back. They'd go down and score. Um, I don't really know what their problem is, um, other than they just seem to be, you know, lost. Uh, was Debo back for this game? He was not. Not. You know, I we we talked about how the 49ers felt like one of those teams where if they lost a few pieces, they would fall apart. I didn't think Debo was such an important piece that they, they would fall apart like this, even with Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle playing as well as they have been. Um, I think that's kind of my takeaways. Justin, why don't you, why don't you give us your thoughts? I know you've got a lot to say here. Uh, yeah. I mean, like you said, we were cautious after their first three wins. Cause it was like, you know, oh, they narrowly avoided falling to 0 and three against the Rams and man, they really could have lost against the Cardinals if a few things don't go our way. And, and man, if the Seahawks just make a few plays down, down the stretch, they would <clears throat> this week. There was none of that. No. I mean, they thoroughly dominated the 49ers on both sides of the ball. I mean, even battling through mistakes like the Irv Smith fumble on the three-yard line, which I don't blame Irv Smith in that situation. I blame whoever the hell thought it was a good idea to throw to Irv Smith on the three-yard line. Um, Zach Taylor. But, (laughs) you know. (laughs) um, But, (laughs) you know, they, they, they found a way to, you know, find their playmakers and... Joe Burrow played, you could argue, one of the best games of his career. You know, I I know the the yardage isn't going to back that up, but he went, what was it, 28 of 32 for three touchdowns, and I I think it was like 265 yards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mean, the fact that he had almost as many passing touchdowns as he had incompletions, and, and not only that, he looked comfortable and poised in the pocket, and even when he didn't, he was taken off. I mean, he had scrambles of like 10, 10 to 12 yards, multiple scrambles. At one point in time, he, he mean, was he all is... leading rusher until Joe Mixon took that over. <laughs> yeah, like he looks healthy and it is obvious. Like this is the burrow that we knew. This is the burrow that we have gotten accustomed to over the last two years. And I, I feel like through the first six weeks, we weren't getting that. And it was because he was compromised. And now he's not. He came out and said he was 100% healthy. Dude, he looks it. <laughs> yeah, for what for um, what it's worth, I don't remember if it was Tavner's tirade uh, one or Tavner's tirade fifty two, but I did say that I had confidence that the Bengals would get back, um, that Joe Burrow would find it, that they would come back. And I know you you not that you gave up on them for sure, but you you know what I mean. Like I just I knew that like this team was in there somewhere. It just they couldn't figure it out the first few weeks. Yeah. Um. And then not only that, but their defense, they forced three turnovers. And honestly, even Travion Williams had a few good kick returns. Like, they, like all three phases, they just were so good. And, you know, I was really worried about them starting 0-2. But since then, they've won four of five. And, you know, I think beating Buffalo this week is, is it's, a, it's not a must win, but it's a you should win that game given how Buffalo has played the last couple weeks. And then they get, you know, a Houston team that just lost to Carolina. So given that, you know, if you would have told me that after week two, they're 0-2, that the Bengals would be 6-3 and going into Thursday night football at Baltimore with a chance to take the lead in the division, dude, 
sign me up. Like, <laughs> I don't know how it gets better than that. Like, that's that's a beautiful scenario. Um, but, you know, this team on Sunday, this team showed what – they showed their true colors. And and, and the, those true colors are a Super Bowl, Super Bowl caliber team. And if they can string this performance together and show consistency – I mean, they're going to be right back in the conversation with the best team in the league. Yeah, for sure. No, I think I think they're hitting their stride, like I said earlier, at the right time, um, especially as some of these top teams start to kind of run into some snags. I mean, we watched, we watched an anemic Chiefs offense. We watched some of the other good teams lose. So the Bengals are kind of hitting their, their timing. Their timing's really good. I'll, I'll, I'll word that correctly eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get there, yeah I'll get there eventually. Yeah, uh, no, they're they're hitting their stride at the right time. I think I'll just leave it at that. Um, any final thoughts over your team? No, I'm good. Cool. Well, let's move on to probably the shock of the year for me. Uh, the reason why I gave Justin a fun little intro, and I just introduced myself without giving me one, is because I'm officially launching myself right now i changed my fantasy team name to launching with levis i'm officially calling myself the will levis fan club here we're one game in but i don't care will levis went out there he threw four touchdowns in his nfl debut and the titans ended up beating the falcons 28 to 23 um i just wow (laughs) i don't know that i could have asked for anything better i mean i genuinely wrote not that I was writing off Will Levis, but I wrote off this game as, I mean, this, it's the Falcons, so, you know, we're, we we probably can win, but at the same time, we're starting a rookie. We've got another, I mean, Malik Willis isn't a rookie, but honestly, he plays like a freshman in high school, so, um, <laughs> you know, I just wrote it off as like, well, I mean, if we win, it'll be a great surprise, but, I mean, I'm not going to be shocked if we lose. What I instead got was the second quarterback in NFL history to throw for, um, four touchdowns in their NFL debut. Um, the first of which being Marcus Mariota. <laughs> um, DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins caught three of those touchdown passes. And all of a sudden the people who were like, Oh, D hop is washed or sitting there like, Oh crap. And D hop was talking about how they wrote him off, but he ain't right back though. Just like Gino. And then probably the other shock of the day was that the Falcons, bench Desmond Ritter for Taylor Heineke. Um, Arthur Smith swore up and down that that benching was not because of his performance. It was because of health, but I, (laughs) he cleared concussion protocol in the game and didn't get put back in. I think that's all you need to know there. So kind of my takeaways here are that the Titans potentially could have their future in Will Levis. Um, You know, we have kind of a shoddy O-line. We saw that with Tannehill. But, man, that O-line, they played with a different kind of energy with Will Levis behind center. And the other thing that made me really happy was he was not afraid to air it out. Sure, he made some kind of bad decisions with some of those, like throwing whenever we probably really shouldn't have been throwing downfield. But dude has an absolute cannon for an arm. And we're finally getting to see the skills of D-Hop being able to be put to good use. You know, we're getting to see him actually run his routes and break free like he's used to instead of them trying to scheme him as a decoy or whatever they were doing with Tannehill. Um, you know, I've stood on this since day one. 
I don't think Tannehill was the biggest problem the Titans had, and I really wouldn't have even counted him as a problem most of the time. Um, but I think having Will Levis gives us that explosiveness that Tannehill just couldn't provide us anymore, and it rejuvenated an offense that desperately needed it because we were dead in the water. <laughs> um, as far as the Falcons go, uh, I don't... That was an ugly game from Desmond Ritter, and that's been the story of his NFL career. You get an amazing game from him, and then you get a game where it's like, has this dude ever played football before? And I think that's what makes him kind of not so great is because you don't get the consistency. You get the high high highs, and then you get the really, really low lows. Um, you know, if you're the Falcons, I think maybe you look at keeping Taylor Heineke out there for the rest of the year. Justin, what were your what were your thoughts here? Um, yeah, definitely don't disagree with, you know, probably keeping uh, Taylor Heineke out there for the rest of the year. Um, I, I think you probably, at this point, you have an idea of what Desmond Ritter is, you know. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the guy. As much as that pains me to say, because, you know, he went to UC. Um, you know, I, I just don't know if he's starting quarterback quality um, for the NFL. Um Will Levis, man, wow, <laughs> what a way to to come into the NFL, man, and you know, while while I do agree with you that I I don't think Tannehill was the problem, and, and you know I I don't think and like you said I don't, I don't know if he was a problem, but I think Will uh, Will Levis may have just taken his spot, you know, uh, from what I've heard is that he is going to be starting Week Nine. Uh, against the Steelers on Thursday night football. And I if he goes out there and, and plays well, how do you not continue to to let him start, you know? <clears throat> yeah, real quick, uh, Mike Vrabel was talking about well, um Will Levis is going to start until Tannehill is healthy to go and I'm just over here like I, he needs to just continue starting. <laughs> yeah. I I know it's one game. I know, you know, it was the Falcons, but that's still an I, I NFL think, team. I mean, yeah, you know, it's still an NFL team. It's still tough to win games, and they they did they they beat the snot out of the Falcons. So that I feel like that box score shows it to be a little bit closer than it actually was, or than it actually felt like. Um, but yeah, man, Will Levis might might be the guy. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. I think. Like you said, I mean, yeah, we joke, oh, it's the Falcons, but it is an NFL team, and, you know, we've seen we've seen guys go out there, and it should be, oh, it's just so-and-so, and then they can't get it done. So, I mean, I think I think we take it. Um, you know, like I said, I'm trying not to overreact to one game, but also it's Levis time, baby. <laughs> Before I say some out-of-pocket take that ends up on our uh, freezing cold takes in a few weeks, uh, why don't we move on to the Jets and Giants? <laughs> uh, the oh. only thing I have to say about this game is that the Giants had negative nine passing yards. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. The fact that you and me sat on the couch and threw for more passing yards than the Giants, man. <laughs> I, I looked. That is the lowest... Oh. 
I think that's the <laughs> lowest number of passing yards in NFL history. It has to be. Finishing it has game. to be. At least since the merger. I don't remember seeing any stat about that, but man. Um, all that being said, and, the Giants... You know, I, I get the I get that they had Tyrod Taylor starting out there, and he got hurt early in the game, and then they had to go to Tommy DeVito. Who? Exactly. I get all that. But come on, man. I, Negative nine? Like, I genuinely think, and I don't say this very often about professional athletes because I respect a lot of the work that they do. And by a lot of the work, I mean all of it. But I genuinely think that they could have put you out there and, like, at least gotten the same result. Like, I, I don't know no, what I, that Yeah, was. I could have gone out there and thrown for negative nine yards. Like, like I, is that what they need? Pay me the league <laughs> minimum and let me go throw for negative nine, right, man. pay off them student loans and then we're good. <laughs> Come on. Um, I mean, and yet, and, he's in the NFL. Like, they're in the NFL. This is wait, an wait, NFL wait, wait, team. On. We haven't even gotten to the funny part yet. The funny part is that not only did they have negative nine yards, but they were winning the game until Zach Wilson drove them down the field to tie the game. Yeah, they they almost won the with game. 24 they, seconds left. They had the lead, and the Jets got the ball back with 24 seconds left, and Zach Wilson completed two passes, got him into field goal range, tied it, and then got him into field goal range in overtime and won the game. Like, it's not very often that we get one of those like we joke sometimes about like both teams are trying hard to lose the game but it's not very often we get a game that really truly feels like that this genuinely was like these two teams were just like no you take it no you take it like it was one of the worst (laughs) games i've seen in a long time yeah it was hard to watch well i remember hearing them talk about a stat that uh uh what was it devito he hadn't, yeah, he had, yeah, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy DeVito. DeVito. He hadn't completed a pass in like a quarter and a half. <laughs> like it, yeah, it was he rough. went two of seven for negative one yard and uh, had two sacks for nine yards. And that's how they ended up with negative eight. Yeah. Because I think Tyrod Taylor, he, he threw some yards. Not many, but he threw it. Uh, four of seven for eight yards yeah. and also took two sacks for seven. Yeah. So in the grand scheme of things, it all came out in the wash as negative eight. <laughs> negative nine i mean i just i don't have words that was just one of the worst games i've ever seen <laughs> i don't yeah. i don't even know like, like from a takeaway standpoint i really don't know like what even to say that i don't think this game told me anything about either one of these teams that i didn't already know for both of these teams it's like they have moments where they can be really good and then they have moments like this yeah like the jets have moments where they go and beat the eagles well i mean zach wilson almost and then they, beat the chiefs like he outplayed Patrick yeah, Mahomes. yeah and they almost beat the chiefs and then they have games where they almost lose to the giants who throw for negative nine yards <laughs> like wh- what am i supposed to take away from that every time, every time you say that it's so funny <laughs> it's because it's so out of pocket oh gosh okay speaking of patrick mahomes let's go ahead and just move on to the next game because i don't know that there's anything else to say about that one uh Mahomes had his worst game as a Chief, I I would argue, and the Broncos, what was that, 24-9? Was that the final score there? Yep. Yeah, the Broncos beat the Chiefs 24-9. This is the same Denver Broncos team that we laughed about hysterically that lost 70-20 to against the Dolphins. Um, This is the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career he, he threw for less than 250 yards, had multiple interceptions, and no touchdowns. Um... My takeaways from this game are that 
the Broncos somehow are not completely dead in the water. Um, Russell Wilson, I think, has turned the corner a little bit. I think he's playing a little better. Um, and the Broncos as a whole feel like they're not, like, as awful as they were last year. I don't think that they're a good team still, but I definitely think that they're better than they have played. And I think that showed a little bit in this game. That being said, I would just like to point out that I, you heard it here first, folks. I called this as a trap game last week. This was one of the games I was interested to watch because I said this could be a trap game. And lo and behold, um, we all know that the real reason that the Chiefs lost this game, though, was that C, that CBS graphic that they showed that told us that Taylor Swift wasn't there. And so Travis Kelsey could not play his best football because she wasn't there. Because as, as they previously told us, he's only good because she's at the games. Well, yeah. <laughs> Justin, I want your thoughts here, but I also have a question for you. Can the Broncos build momentum in the AFC West? Um, I mean, they, they've got a shot, considering how poorly the Chargers and the Raiders have played thus far. Um, so, you know, if they can snag a couple wins there, then maybe. Uh, you know, they're, they're going into their bye week, uh, and then they open up their bye week again at Buffalo on, uh, I believe that's Monday Night Football, which, ew. Um, but I, I mean, they, looking at their schedule, I mean, they play Minnesota, uh, you know, they play Houston, they play the Chargers twice, they play the Raiders again, they play, they play the, uh, the Patriots. So, I mean, if they can, if they can get maybe six more wins, it, you're talking about them maybe sneaking into the playoffs. I mean, maybe nine and eight gets you there. Um, you know, you never know with, just year to year what's going to get you into the playoffs but nine nine wins at least put you in that conversation so well and let's be honest um, it feels like anytime we know what's going to happen and which teams are going to split away then they start to they go and lose like three in a row and then all of a sudden it's just like the that <laughs> that's why the nfl makes just zero sense to me it, it makes no sense because the same broncos defense that gave up 70 points to the dolphins holds Patrick Mahomes to three field goals. Like, <laughs> what? Like, like, Patrick Mahomes flew all the way out to Denver and kicked three field goals. Yeah, and, and we're talking about him as a generational quarterback. Like, and, and not, it, he is. I'm not going to overreact after one game, you know, one bad game. But, like, this Broncos defense gave up 70. This Broncos defense is the same defense that made Tua look like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady combined and like they were throwing to Calvin Johnson, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, and then they had Barry Sanders and Eric Dickerson in the backfield. Like, For real. Like, what the like, heck? And on paper, this game makes just zero sense. No, not, not like, at all. <laughs> the, the, Chiefs had, the Chiefs had 35 more yards and... Uh, like it just doesn't make sense to me and, and like russell wilson threw for a, a hundred and 119 yards something like that overall yeah. after you t- after you take away the sacks they had 87 passing yards like it it makes no sense to me that's a, I, that's a tennessee titans type stat line right there we beat the <laughs> right we beat the ravens a few years ago and T- Tannehill had 88 yards but that that's yeah, also I the mean, game where derrick henry ran for like 250 so <laughs> Like this defense stepped up. They held Patrick Mahomes and, and and company to on third and fourth down combined. They held them to four of thirteen. Like, and, and they also had seven more minutes of possession. 
um, you know, forced five turnovers because they had three three fumbles too. That was one of those games where Patrick Mahomes he looked rattled for the first time, like not the first time. Yeah, it, he, and I, I know the reports are coming out that he was sick and he was he was coming off the flu, I guess. Yeah, but to me, it's like if you're healthy enough to play the game, then that tells me that I'm not saying you have to be a hundred percent. But you can't use it as an excuse if you're out there. You you can't use it as an excuse, especially after the fact. Right. You know, if if the report comes out three days before, oh, he has the flu, he may not be a hundred percent. You know, then then it's like okay, well, you know, then maybe he's going to be a little compromised. But the fact that it's coming out after the after the game, that tells me it's like okay, well, now you're kind of using it as an excuse as to why you played bad. And it's like no, you just you just played bad. Well, I will say, I actually did see the flu report before the game, but it was, like, right before the game. Um, I think CBS said it on the broadcast. Um, okay. But, still. still, like you said, if you're out there, you can't use an excuse. But then, you know, in the same vein, if the Chiefs had won that game, then all of the talk would have been, well, Patrick Mahomes did that with the flu. It's his flu game, you know? It's just... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, before I, uh, before I give you, like... You know, before I make you angry, any uh, any final takeaways from this game? Um, yeah, one thing for the Chiefs. If I it, that wide receiver core worries me so much. I mean, I get that they're young, but you don't have a true wide receiver one. Your best receiver is, is Travis Kelsey, so all they have to do is double him, and you know, you're asking your DBs to lock down. Rasheed Rice and Kadarius Tony. Hey, you're and Justin Watson. Whoa, 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 whoa! I would just like to point out that I have all year in your tears made this exact argument, and you were like, "Yeah, but it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey, so I can't bet against them." I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm making my words right now because it, it finally bit him in the ass. It did or in the butt? Sorry. Now you're fine. You're fine. Um. Before Justin says any other curse words, let's move on um, to everyone's favorite segment, Tavner's Tears. All right. It's the reason you get on the, get on the app. It's the reason you listen. It's the moment you've been waiting for. Here we go. All right. Reclaiming their bottom spot. That would be the 32nd ranked Arizona Cardinals. Yes, sir. Uh, coming in at number 31, the New York Giants. Number 30, the Carolina Panthers actually winning a game and climbing two spots. Uh, Number 29, the Chicago Bears. Number 28, the Patriots. 27, the Green Bay Packers. And coming to number 26, the Washington Commanders. Uh, Any comments from that bottom seven grouping? How come you guys don't show the Packers any love? All right, we're going to, that bit's going to die eventually. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, all right, next tier, moving into 25, jumping four spots. That would be the Denver Broncos coming off their win. Uh, 24, also, I need to preface that. I should have prefaced with this. Um, we are recording this on Monday. Uh, the, the, the Lions and the Raiders are currently playing. So I'm making these rankings based off of the assumption that the Lions are going to beat the Raiders. Naturally, um, naturally because you said that, the Raiders are going to win like 52-7. to 7, So Probably. <laughs> um but, you know, I figured I should preface with this because coming in at number 24 uh, would be the Las Vegas Raiders. Number 23, the Indianapolis Colts. Number 22, the Atlanta Falcons. And 
Rounding out this grouping is the number 21st ranked Houston Texans. Uh, Texans did slide a little bit um, from last week after that loss to the Carolina Panthers. As you should. <laughs> if you yeah. lose to the worst yeah. team, you deserve to slide. Yeah. Uh, number 20, I have the Los Angeles Rams. Number 19, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, climbing five spots this week, that would be the Tennessee Titans. Wow. Moving into 18. Uh, number 17, the Minnesota Vikings. And number 16, the Los Angeles Chargers. Both teams, the Chargers and the Vikings, moving up four spots. Um, coming in at number 15, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number 14, the New Orleans Saints. 13, the New York Jets. Number 12, falling three spots after their loss to Seattle, the Cleveland Browns. And number 11, the team that just beat the Browns, the Seattle Seahawks. Just missing out on the top 10. All right, any comments on 32 through 11? I'm honestly surprised the Titans jumped as much as they did, but we can talk about it after the fact. All right. All right, top 10, here we go. Coming in at number 10, I have the San Francisco 49ers falling five spots. Um, you know, three straight losses. Brock Purdy clearly struggling. Debo Samuel being banged up. I, like you said, didn't think it was going to cause this much of an issue, but maybe it is. Um, and, you know, we're starting to see the flaws of this team being exploited left and right that we didn't even think existed four weeks ago. But here we are. Um, they they have their bye week coming up this week, which I think is a great thing for them because they can start to, you know, figure things out. But, you know, they open up afterwards, uh, after the bye, at the Jaguars. So, you know, Tough if game. they don't figure it out on this bye week... <laughs> It's not going to go great. So, uh, Niners at 10. Hot take. I think they're too hot. Continue. Yeah. I can only drop them so much because I do still think that they are a good team. I just think, I, I you know, I, I told you my thoughts. I know. Uh, all right. Coming in at number nine, the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, I, I know the Bills only won by one score against the, the Bucks on Thursday Night Football. And, you know. It didn't really seem that close, but on the other side of that, the Bucks also did have a shot to win it on a Hail Mary, and if Chris Godwin you know. turns his head around and was able to locate that ball... <laughs> no, he did turn his head you, around. We, yeah. <laughs> he just let um, it drop right next to him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we might be talking about the Bills in a different light, but, you know, they, they figured out a way to win, and they actually just signed Leonard Fournette. Did they really? Um They did. They did. Wow. Um... So, you know, we'll uh, I'm not going to Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything, but let's wait and see, you know, if it, if he improves their run game if, you know, at all. Uh so Bills at 9. I just real quick, I would just like to point out that they should have listened to me because I suggested Derrick Henry for their running game and they said, eh, Leonard Fournette is close enough." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh how far did or how high did they run, they jump? Like where uh, they jumped up two spots, two spots. from last okay. week. Uh, yeah, no, if the Bills found a way to win that game, and by that, Justin means that they pulled the controller batteries out of Chris Godwin's controller. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't really have any other thoughts. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, climbing two spots as well. Uh, moving into the eighth spot, I have the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, 
three words. Burrow is back. But uh, once again, what stood out to me the most is their offense was great, but I felt like their defense was even better. Uh, I feel like their defense has playmakers everywhere and is honestly super underrated. You know, they, they forced three turnovers, one near the goal line stopping a touchdown. They they held a 49ers team to 17 points when they had been averaging 30 a game at home. They ended San, Francis- San Francisco's 12-game home winning streak. I mean, it's impressive. But up next, it's a, a, a date on Sunday night football against the aforementioned <laughs> Buffalo Bills uh, in what is sure to be an emotional game given what happened last year at Paycor. So uh, Bengals at eight. Well, I mean, last year, I mean, their most recent meeting, the Bengal- or the Bills forgot to show up to that game. So for yeah. your sake, you probably hope that they do the same thing. Um, yeah, no, I like it. Bengals at eight. It feels like a good spot for them right now. I agree. Uh, coming to number seven, moving up one spot, is the Dallas Cowboys. Um I thought the beatdown that they gave the Rams was impressive, and it's honestly what this team needed. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna take it with with a grain of salt because I I think the Rams have been a little bit of a disappointment this year. Um, they're not nearly as good as I, I think people thought they were going to be. Um, I, I remember a few a few different sports broadcasters, uh, specifically Colin Coward, calling them a, a playoff team at the beginning of the year. Um, I Clearly, they are not that, so going to take this win over the Rams with a grain of salt, but they did dominate all three phases of the game, and the bye week that they got going into this game was huge, and now that now they get a, a Philadelphia team coming up, and if they want to get rid of those ideas that you know they're not good enough to contend in the NFC... I'm not saying that they have to win this game against the the Eagles, but they at least have to make it more competitive than the game against the Niners was. So, uh, Cowboys at seven. Bro, could you imagine if that tweet that I showed you that uh, the t- the Cowboys had traded for Derrick Henry? Could you imagine if that was actually coming true? <laughs> that that was crazy. Yeah, I was shook when you called me about that. I just like I saw. So for those of you that don't know, I saw a rumor come out that um, the Cowboys were. Uh, reaching the end of a deal with the Tennessee Titans that was going to trade Tony Pollard and a, what was it, a second, I think, to the Tennessee Titans. A second and a fifth, I think. Yeah, to the Tennessee Titans for Derrick Henry. Um, I just, I thought that the, the trade could be real, but I didn't think that the compensation was right because I think that Tony Pollard at this stage in his career has more of an upside than Derrick Henry does, as much as I love Derrick Henry. Um, not to get off topic, though, the Cowboys, like you said, I think they beat down the Rams. Uh, that was a good win for them. The one point I will push back on is I think the Rams are still potentially a playoff team, um, especially when you look at the fact that like the Vikings are still ahead of them, and I don't see that being true uh, with Kirk Cousins out much longer. Um, and then there are a few teams above them that are going to win their respective divisions. I mean, the, the Rams still could be a wild card team, but... And definitely an uphill battle. Yeah, but that's getting a little nitpicky. Um, Cowboys are really good, um, and I think that they are slowly pushing back that they they deserve to be in the conversation too. So Cowboys at seven. All right, uh, moving up one spot into the number six spot is the Detroit Lions. Um, Once again, uh, off the assumption that you know they're going to beat the Raiders at home this week, 
Um, you know, I, I know that they got embarrassed against the Ravens um, two weeks ago, but, you know, like I said, that's normal for teams who haven't faced Lamar Jackson. Um, but, you know, I, I think this game against the Raiders is a, a get-right game for them, and, um, you know, I, I think they're going to show why they're still a top team in the NFC. They still deserve to be in that conversation of, um, you know, with the Eagles, with, I would say the 49ers, but I don't know anymore. Um, yeah, but, but in that conversation as, as a top team in the NFC. So, uh, Lions at six. Honestly, um, I, my, uh, Lions to the NFC championship take looks better and better every week. (laughs) Every week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, just when you think it's going to be, oh, the 49ers are a lock to be the team that they play. The 49ers forget how to play football for three straight weeks. Um, yeah. And the teams that I thought looked like they would be too much for the Lions, like the 49ers, have shown a lot of weaknesses. And so I think uh, the Lions being in the top six, I assuming they continue to play good football and they don't just forget what that brown oblong thing is the second half of the season, I think we could be looking at a potential great year for the Lions. Yeah. Uh, moving up one spot... I have the Miami Dolphins coming in at number five. Uh, you know, they got Jalen Ramsey back this week, and it showed. They, I think he was the juice that this defense needed. And, you know, they, they forced New England at a 6-3 and outs, which I know it's New England, I know it's Mac Jones, but still. Um, this offense is still just as potent, and I'm genuinely excited for this matchup in Germany against the Chiefs. You know, you ha- you have this... You know, you have this high-flying Miami offense, and then you got the Chiefs coming off a kind of a, kind of embarrassing loss to the Broncos. So I, I think, um, you know, this is going to be another test for them to prove to themselves, to prove to everybody else in the AFC that you know they can hang with that upper echelon of teams in the you know atop the AFC. Um, but yeah, Miami, Miami at five. <clears throat> yeah, I think. The line or the Lions. I'm still reading my notes from the last one. Uh, I definitely think that the Dolphins are poised um, right where they should be as far as rankings go. Um, you know, they get like you said a Chiefs team that's going to be hungry, and I think this could be one of those games that ends up 45-42. Um, but then again, it could also be one of those games that ends up 17 to 13. I feel like that's just the NFL in a nutshell this year, though. Honestly, like I don't know that there yeah, have been. It's been so hard to predict. Yeah, I mean. Because that Dolphins-Broncos game, I would have predicted like 31-27 because the Broncos have been able to score pretty well. Like, that hasn't been their issue. (laughs) Um, And then, well, we know how that went. Uh, That being said, I like the Dolphins where they're at, and I think that they could be still a sneaky AFC championship team. So, Dolphins at five. Yeah. Uh, All right, coming to number four, actually dropping a spot, I have the Baltimore Ravens. Hmm. Um. I know I dropped them here, but, you know, I I know they've played good football, but the win against Arizona just didn't impress me. Um, It didn't impress me in in the way that a win over that team should. You know, know, the Bengals beat them more impressively than the Ravens did. Um, and, And meanwhile, Jacksonville, who I'll get to in a second, they beat the Steelers, which was a team that the, the Ravens lost to. So... Um, I still genuinely believe that they're a top team in the AFC. They can beat you in so many ways. 
uh, whether it's Lamar, whether it's Mark Andrews, whether it's, you know, Zay Flowers is having a phenomenal rookie year. Um, but any of those weapons, um, you know, I, I think this, they're still a good team. I just wasn't impressed by their win over Arizona. Um, but, uh, yeah, Baltimore at four. Interesting dropping them in the spot with the win. But like you said, um, once we get down to the nitty-gritty of the top, like, five, it's really – it's quality of win that goes into these as well and like you said if it's like a barely beating a really bad team which i mean the cardinals are the 32nd ranked team um not to say that you know they haven't been solid at points but i don't think anybody's going to argue that they're the 49ers (laughs) so you know the ravens i'm not worried about them Uh, i think they're they're really good still but um kind of a a questionable uh questionable win you'd, you'd like to see them win by more there but ravens at four all right coming in at number two dropping two spots from the top spot that would be the kansas city chiefs um you know i i, I hate to penalize teams after a bad loss um especially a team that i you know it's still the chiefs i still think they're a really good team um it you know i i so I don't want to penalize them too much because while I do firmly believe that good teams are supposed to win the games that they're supposed to, like they should win, they, they should have beaten the Broncos. Um, Trap game. I also, yeah, I also understand, you know, the, the any given Sunday mantra, you know, like people say that, you know, any team can beat any team on any given Sunday. It, it, it happens. Um, you know, it's still an NFL caliber team. Let's not act like the Broncos are, um, whatever southeastern New Hampshire, whatever I said <laughs> a couple weeks ago. <laughs> uh, but let's not act like you know they're that bad. Um, but you know, like I said, the thing that has been concerning me is, and kind of has all years, that their wide receiver core is just—it's not amazing. You know, they they rely on Travis Kelsey. So if teams can find a way to to take him out of the game this is the result that you get. Um, and, and if you look at all of the top teams among the uh, atop the AFC, in a pass-heavy league, they have the worst weapons. You look at Jacksonville, they have Calvin Ridley, they have Evan Ingram, they have um, Christian Kirk, the Ravens, Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews, the Dolphins, Tyreek, Jalen Waddell, um, the Bengals, uh, you know, Stephon, or, uh, the Bills, Stephon Diggs, like all of those guys, all of these teams have a guy, multiple guys. The Chiefs just don't have that. But, um, like I said, I don't want to penalize them too much. Um, so, uh, Kansas City at three. That was a, a lot of words um, to yeah. say that... Uh, you, you Try to justify only dropping them To say that you've spots. developed some Chiefs bias. Um, listen. Right, trust me, I'm not a Chiefs fan. <laughs> listen, I think... That is one, one thing I sure as hell am not. You say that you don't want to penalize them too much for a bad loss. And yet you drop the Ravens a spot for a bad win. I just I still think the Chiefs are better than the Ravens. Yeah, but the Chiefs also I lost know, to I know I know it's a bad loss. I know it's a ba- well the, the Ravens lost to the Steelers. And I know the Steelers are a better <clears> team than than the Broncos right now, but let's not sit here and act t- like the Steelers have, have an amazing higher. offense. <laughs> I get that. I, get, I know. I know. Also, the I know. Steelers have like one of the best defenses in the league. 
the Broncos have the opposite of that. They gave up 70. <laughs> I, I, I get that. All in all, 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 things, all things said, like, I, I don't hate it. I probably would have had the Ravens above the Chiefs. That's my big dispute here. But I could see, I could see flip-flop. But I don't hate it. I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, yeah. especially after your whole, <laughs> your whole spiel about, <laughs> about the Chiefs. Trying to justify yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I don't hate it though. Chiefs at three. Let's keep going. All right. Coming to number two, rising two spots. That would be the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I don't think I would have said that five weeks ago, but here we are. I mean, they're on a five game win streak and honestly, Calvin Ridley hasn't even been a factor yet. No, he has not. Like he had one good game in, in week one, and since then he's been kind of quiet. So, uh, to me, I think this team's MVP is Travis Etienne. I mean, he is he is now third in rushing yards, you know, and he has seven touchdowns over the last four games. And what's been even more impressive than all of that is their defense has been phenomenal this year at taking the ball away and giving Trevor Lawrence more opportunities. So uh, I I think the Jags are, whatever their woes were in the first, like, three weeks, they have figured them out, and they are the hottest team in the league right now. Um, so, yeah, Jags at, Jags at two. Sorry, I, was, I just got an update. The Lions are up three to nothing on the Raiders at the end of the first quarter. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, we've had a fumble where, uh, is it Josh Reynolds? Is that who they have? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Josh Reynolds fumbled after getting 13 yards, and then Jimmy Garoppolo immediately threw an interception to, uh, I think it's Kelvin Joseph. <laughs> that checks and, out. And then the Lions punted, and the, for, uh, the Raiders turned it over on downs. <laughs> and then and now the Lions are about to score. Anyway, <laughs> I know that was way off topic, but I was just informing you of the yeah. barn burner we've got going on here. Um. The Jags at two, the only thing I have to say is that um, if you told me at the beginning of the year that you were going to have the Jacksonville Jaguars in your top two, I would have hit you with a Stephen A. Smith special. Stay off the weed! Which is fair. That being said, um, the Jags have been just an absolute lethal team lately. Um, you know, Travis Etienne has run for like four million yards in his last three games, and and like 75 touchdowns. Yeah, something like that. Um, give or take a couple. And um, yeah. you know, Trevor Lawrence has played just well enough to manage like manage that team. He's played like he he's played pretty mistake-free football and that that's how you that's how you win games in the NFL. Um, but yeah, I I don't hate it at all, actually, weirdly enough as a Titans fan. Yeah. All right, coming in at number 1 for the first time all year, moving up one spot from last week. That would be the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, AJ Brown has solidified himself as one of the top league or one of the one of the league's top receivers. Um, he now has his sixth consecutive game of 125 receiving yards, which is an NFL record. And you know, I, I know their defense got torched for 31 points against the Commanders, but I, I'm still a firm believer in. It is hard to win games in the NFL, especially divisional. So, games. It, yeah, especially to, like divisional divisional opponents always play each other like it's the Super Bowl. You know, whether it's the AFC North, the AFC South, whatever it is, they're they're tough games to win. So, you know, to me, it doesn't matter if it's by one, by seven, by thirty. It doesn't matter. A win is a win, and that you know, they they beat the team that they should beat, which is what good teams do. 
So, um, and, and they, along with every other team in the NFL, has something to improve upon. Um, so, yes, they gave up 31 points, but they've they won the game, which is at the end of the year that's what we're going to look at we're not going to look at oh they only beat the commanders by seven we're going to look at okay they won so uh this team's good yeah. this offense is good like i there's no two ways around it they they're a good team um i will not be shocked if we see them in the super bowl this year especially the given the nfc um given uh you know the niners kind of collapse over the last couple weeks given I think the Lions, while they are good, they are beatable, and the Cowboys are the Cowboys. So um, Eagles are heads and shoulders above everybody else in the NFC to me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Eagles at one. Um, sorry, I just saw the Lions had a uh, third and goal from the 18. Um, <laughs> no, the Eagles at one, I think, you know, this team just continues to impress me. Um, like you said, yeah, they gave up 31, but they found ways to win. I, I thought it was very poetic that they had the first, like, tush-push failure when Jalen Hurts fumbled the snap. So then later on in the game, they were like, oh, you thought you had us? Well, we're actually just going to fake the tush-push and get a touchdown. <laughs> like, this team is just nuts, man. They're they're so good, and it's it's good to see them finally up at the top where, honestly, I felt like they got robbed out of it with the Chiefs last week, but... It is what it is. Um, I I like your rankings overall. Why don't we get to our biggest riser and faller? Uh, our biggest riser this week, I believe that belongs to your own Tennessee Titans, moving up five spots from 23 to 18. It's actually six because they were 24, I thought. Oh, no, they were 23 because they went up one with their bye week. You're right. Um, yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right. My bad. All right, biggest faller. Biggest faller, it almost was the Niners dropping from 5 to 10. But the Texans outdid Yikes. them, losing to the Panthers, dropping from 15 to 21, dropping six spots. Man. Uh, there were a few teams that rose up four spots, um, those being the Saints, the Chargers, the Vikings, and the Broncos. Um but other than the, the Niners and the Texans, those were by far the biggest fallers this week. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I mean, Titans plus five. I feel like that's a, a decent uh, decent jump for them. Um, I, I thought they were 24. That's why I thought that that was too big of a rise. But plus five, I get it, um, especially because the teams that they are ahead of all lost. So... Um, yeah, it makes it easier to to right. justify putting them up right. there uh, when teams above them lose. Right. As far as the Texans, I mean, 21, you can't hate it. I mean, we all expected the Texans to be one of the worst teams in the league, and they've, they've honestly been a big shock um, thus far. Um, so, with that being said, it is time once again, everyone, for our NFL uh rundown awards and for at this point we're going to do the mid-season awards we did quarter season a few weeks ago it's already time for mid-season justin man i feel like this year's flown by it's already already week eight almost into week nine it is now unfortunately because we are recording this episode a day early um due to some stuff we've had come up this week we are not going to have any rundown special awards we did do that in week four we're not going to do that in week eight um 
just because we really didn't have time to do that. But maybe when we get to week 12 in our three-quarter season awards, we can we can bring out the, uh, the special ones again. Yeah. That being said, um, for those of you that don't know what our season what the season awards are, it's uh, MVP, uh, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie, Defensive Rookie, Coach of the Year, and then we will also predict our Super Bowl matchup as well as our biggest surprise and biggest letdown. So, Justin, I'm actually going to start with Coach of the Year and work my way back just because I feel like MVP for me is my spiciest take yet, so I want to kind of save the best for last. Feel free to not do that, but that's just going to be how I do it. Um, And then after I do that, I'll do the biggest surprise letdown in the Super Bowl. So, with my Coach of the Year, uh, shocking no one, it is Philadelphia Eagles coach Nick Sirianni. Um, I feel like this one's self-explanatory. He's the coach of the best team, and I think he has done a phenomenal job with coaching that team. Um, They find ways to win games. Um, Yeah, I don't know that there's anything else to say. Uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year is going to be Jalen Carter, also of the Eagles. Again, I I don't think it's particularly close. I think he's the best defensive rookie. (laughs) Offensive Rookie of the Year is going to be the quarterback of the Houston Texans, C.J. Stroud. Um, Again, I think he's playing really well um, this season. I don't know that anyone has put on a performance yet. I think think Puka Nakua got close. Um, But unfortunately, I think with the return of Cooper Cup and the Rams have kind of hit a little bit of a wall, uh, I just don't know that it's quite as like a strong push as it was earlier in the season without Cooper Cup. For Defensive Player of the Year, I've got uh, Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I think he's just the best defensive player in the league, but this one was very close. Justin and I discussed two before this, and, uh, you know, we were definitely, it was split 50-50, but no argument either way, really. Offensive Player of the Year, I have Mr. A.J. Brown of the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, this one is very close, but I think A.J. Brown is having just a historic season with the Eagles, and I think his emergence and reconnection with Jalen Hurts is part of the reason why they've exploded as much as they have, because that was one of the things I talked about earlier in the season, was that his lack of connection with them was hurting them a lot, and that he was going to have to get back to it. Now, Justin, are you ready for maybe the spiciest take I have uttered on this podcast? I cannot wait for this to show up in the coldest takes in a couple of weeks. I don't know that it'll show. I don't know that it'll show up in coldest takes, but I'm also not at all going to be surprised when I'm wrong, because of the reason I'm about to give you. So everyone says, "All right, let's hear." Everyone it. says MVP is a quarterback award, and for the most part, it is. There have been a few players to win MVP that weren't quarterbacks, but overall, it overwhelmingly favors quarterbacks. However, if I were to pick MVP today, I don't know how you could seriously have a conversation about MVP and not include Christian McCaffrey, and that's my pick for MVP. Okay, all right. I mean, he. It could be. It, it could have it been, worse. been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> were you were you expecting Will Levis? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, no, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting something that egregious, but uh, yeah, wow. So. The reason being is because we saw how bad Brock Purdy was without Christian McCaffrey. And then he came back, and I mean, I know they lost, but he has kept them in 
with the exception of the Bengals game, has kept them in every game they've been in. He's been, you have been able to just chalk him up to a touchdown every game, and he is, I agree with you that when he's healthy, he's the best running back in history. I think if there is going to be a running back that wins MVP, it's going to be like a Christian McCaffrey type player. And I know the 49ers have gone on a three-game skid, but if I'm looking at the season as a whole, it's hard to look at Christian McCaffrey's performance and not call him the most valuable player on that team. And the 49ers to this point have spent the most time atop our rankings, and so he therefore was the best player on the best team. So that's kind of okay. my argument there. All right. Um, do you want to do your awards for those, and then we can do the matchup and let down and surprise, or do you want me to just go ahead and finish it out? Uh, we can get to mine first, and then we can, we can circle back to those. Okay. Go ahead, then. Uh, all right. Coming in for my MVP, uh, I have Jalen Hurts. Um, Fair. Quarterback award. Like you said, it's, it's, a, it's a quarterback award, and to me, he's the quarterback on the best team in in the NFL right now. Um, and it's not like he's, you know, it's not like we're sitting here like, oh, you know, he's just, he's okay, he's playing good. No, like, he's having a really good season. Like, it, you know, let's not sit here and act like, oh, you know, it's just a quarterback award. Like, it is, but he's also played really well he this has. year. Um, and I, I will, can I, can I interject just real quick? Yeah. I will say Jalen Hurts was my runner-up, and the the reason I didn't pick him was just because of what I said about AJ Brown. To be honest, that not and obviously that's a dependent position. Like it requires him to get AJ Brown the ball, but I feel like Jalen Hurts by himself had not like obviously they were winning the games, but like he hadn't shown that level of greatness before that. But I don't hate it, you know? Like, I definitely understand why you picked him, and I would not be surprised at all if he wins, so. Yeah. Uh, my offense player of the year, I have Tyree right, Kill. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he is on pace to have, what is it, like 2,200 receiving I it, I, yards? 2,300, like I thought. Some, somewhere in that, I mean, he's he's on pace to break Calvin Johnson's record by like three or four. And even A.J. Yards. Brown is on pace for like 2,150. <laughs> that's, that's the crazy yeah. part. <laughs> So I, I think AJ Brown is a very close second right yeah. now, um, but I, you know, halfway through the season, I got to give it to Tyreek. I understand. So, uh, I get it. Um, not not mad. Yeah, uh, defense player of the year. Um, like you said, we kind of went back and forth. Um, you know, you chose one guy, and I kind of went with the other. I went with Miles Garrett. Um, I think if you're looking at it, if you if you're if you're looking at the best defenses in the league, the Cleveland Browns are in that conversation, if not the best. And he is the best defensive player on the best defensive team. I think it's hard to argue that. And I, I mean, you know, I, not not to say that there isn't an argument for Micah Parsons, but, you know, this is my argument for Miles. Right, Curry. for sure. And, and once again, I hate to say that because I'm a Bengals fan, but... It's hard to argue. Uh, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's just been dominant. Like, it um but yeah miles garrett for my my defensive player of the year. yeah and like we said we we talked about it beforehand and genuinely like i picked micah parsons mostly because of the way he stepped up with trayvon diggs being out but at the same time like i, I can't argue against you like i would honestly probably yeah. if there was ever going to be a co-defensive player of the year <laughs> this might be the year yeah uh offensive rookie of the year um i'm not gonna lie from here on out it kind of gets very similar i also have cj stroud um, I think probably for this, like you reason. said, Puka Nakua made a yeah made a push, but 
Uh, I, I think that Stroud just he's he's just played better thus far. Um, so hard to argue with mm-hmm. that. Uh, defensive rookie of the year. I will say, if I had to give it to somebody right now, it would be Jalen Carter. Um, but I think I think De- uh, Devon Witherspoon out of Seattle, their cornerback. I think he, if anybody is going to challenge Jalen Carter for Defensive Rookie of the Year, it's going to be him. He might be flying under the radar, but every time I have watched him play, I mean, he is flying all over the field. He has been just insane to to me. I I could be reading into that a little too much, but um, I, I won't be shocked if he's in the conversation come the end of the year. Uh, but if I had to give it to one person, it's going to be Jalen Carter right now. No, I mean, I, I like it. I think it's a good pick. Uh, and then my coach of the year, uh, once again, Nick Sirianni. Uh, like you said, hard to argue. He's, you know, Philadelphia's the best team in the league right now. He's the coach, <laughs> plain and simple. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I wrote Nick Sriracha. <laughs> <laughs> Close I enough. couldn't think of how to spell Sirianni, and so I wrote Nick Sriracha. <laughs> All right. Close enough, Yeah, right? close enough. Um, no, like you said, second half of that for us both was definitely very similar. Um, you know, uh, I liked, and it's one of those, like, we had different first halves, but also I think we both had compelling arguments for each of our cases. Um, I definitely am not going to be, like, I think you're going to be in right as far as MVP goes, but you gotta, you gotta be a little spicy sometimes. And it's definitely, I mean, if Christian McCaffrey finishes the year with scoring a touchdown in every single game. He's got to be in the conversation. For sure. You know? He's not going to win it because Patrick Mahomes exists, and somehow Patrick Mahomes is going to win MVP. But Patrick Mahomes could throw for nine interceptions the <laughs> next game, and he'd still be le- he'd still be leading in the Well, odds. you know, the Chiefs are going to make the playoffs, and Travis Kelsey is going to have just like some unholy stat line, and they're going to be like, well, Patrick Mahomes is actually the greatest ever, so that's why. <laughs> um, right. No, so that's our midseason awards, like player-wise. Justin, why don't you go ahead and give us your Super Bowl matchup? My Super Bowl prediction um, is the Philadelphia Eagles coming out of the NFC. And I know this is going to come off a little biased, but the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they, I mean, they've won four of their last five. And like I said, if, if the team that we saw on Sunday is the team we get for the rest of the year, I don't know who's beating that team. Well, that's so I I know it sounds biased because I am a Bengals fan, but I mean, are we going to be shocked if we see him? Let me let me give you this then, because I think this might be the only team that can give them a run. Um, Just based on what I've seen this year, I would still argue this sec. This team here is a better team just based on how they've performed as a whole. Right. So my Super Bowl matchup is going to be the Baltimore Ravens. Against the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, the Eagles, I feel like at this point, are the best team in the NFC. And with the 49ers skidding the way they have, I honestly don't know that it's particularly close anymore. Um, And then Baltimore just... We could legitimately see a Baltimore-Jaguars AFC championship game, and I just I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't like that either. Over but... the last three years, it's been the Bills, the Bengals, and the Chiefs. Well, and let's be honest. It's like, been the it, Chiefs the, and the Bengals, and then a very distant third Bills, and, the, <laughs> and yeah, um, no, it's just 
I don't know, man. Something about this Baltimore team, like, on paper, they don't feel like they should be that good. But Lamar is just that dude, and he, I mean, good lord. You finally got him yeah. weapons, and you see what's happening. You see what's <laughs> happening. Um, so instead of, we don't have, like, special awards, but I did say earlier, we do have our biggest surprise and biggest letdown teams. So I'll start here. My biggest surprise has been the New York Jets. Now, the reason being is because Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles tendon four plays into the season. Zach Wilson took over, and everyone was like, oh, great, great. It's Zach Wilson. It's, it's over. And yet, here we are, and granted, it has not been pretty. <laughs> like, don't, don't get it. But they have a Don't record. get it twisted. I'm not at all saying that Zach Wilson has been Tom Brady. But like you said, they have a winning record. They're four and three. They are, I don't remember with your breakdown you sent me earlier, if they are in the playoffs right now, but they are. They are, they are eighth, eighth right now. So they are. Just ahead of the Bengals, but just behind the uh, Bills. So they are right in the mix for a wild card spot. And so that's, that's the reason why they're my biggest surprise is because I definitely saw Aaron Rodgers go down and was like, well, there goes that. <laughs> there goes that so, um, And then my biggest letdown, <laughs> they threw for negative nine yards. <laughs> <laughs> the team we all know we and love. No, it's the New York Giants because they went to the playoffs last year. Brian Dable was coach of the year. And then everything about this year makes that team look like they have never seen a football field before in their lives. Um, I just, I don't really have anything else to say about this team, man. They are bad. And, like, just weirdly bad. I did not see this coming. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> um, all right, my biggest surprise this year um, thus far has been the Seattle Seahawks. Um, you know, they, they made the playoffs last year, but they're, they're winning the NFC West right now. Stop the count. They're winning the NFC West right now. Aren't the, aren't the 49ers uh, they have a half game lead in that, in that division? Yeah, they have a half game lead on the 49ers right now. <laughs> well, well, how the turntables. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you know, like I said, they make the they made the playoffs last year, and I think everybody predicted that you know they'd probably be in the mix for a wild card spot. Um, but everybody assumed, I mean, us included, that it was going to be the Niners' division to lose, and well, they're, they're currently losing it. Yeah, so, doing that. <laughs> um, yeah. So my biggest surprise is the Seahawks. Uh, as for my biggest letdown, the Los Angeles Chargers. I thought, and I'm not alone here, that with the addition of Kellen Moore, Herbert taking another step, and all of these things. That, you know, they have, I think they have the highest paid defense in the league. That they were going to be better than three and four. They're not. Hmm. And if you look at their schedule coming up, it's not great. <laughs> they have a lot of tough matchups. They also have winnable games. But they have a lot of tough matchups coming down the, coming down the stretch here. So, um, I won't be shocked if they miss the playoffs. I'm not going to say that as a, as a take of mine. But if at the end of the year we're looking at the Chargers on the outside looking in, I'm not going to be surprised. Good Lord, in this podcast we have gotten to the Chiefs winning that division, the Broncos being in second and challenging for it, and the Chargers missing the playoffs. <laughs> A lot of AFC West. 
you know this is just one of those weird seasons in the nfl though like it feels like we knew kind of how this was going to go beforehand and then your Bengals promptly threw all of that away and decided we're not going to play football for the first few weeks but then decided you know what actually we are going to play football so it feels like on one hand that part of the world is coming back to where it should be but then we have all these other teams like the 49ers look like they were going to go uh 21 and 0 this year um the bye week they were gonna win the bye week too yeah i was gonna say were they gonna win yeah, the bye week yeah. too? i mean would you have would you have disagreed with me <laughs> before the browns game yeah. <laughs> um and yet now it's like the 49ers aren't even winning their division granted i i i, yeah. I think that's gonna change but I, I can't say that confidently anymore <laughs> um this, this to me through eight weeks feels like one of the crazier nfl seasons that i can it remember. is and i love it <laughs> Yeah, I'm it's here so for it. fun. This was such a great year to start a podcast together. Honestly, um, yeah. you know, so we've talked about the NFL, but the NFL is not the only professional sport playing right now. We also have the NBA. Um, so Justin and I obviously are gonna give you guys just a little bit. There, we're a week into the NBA season, so you know we're not ready to say, oh, such and such is winning the finals. But we do have a couple of takeaways from the first week. Justin, why don't you give us our your your NBA takeaways? Uh, yeah, so my first one, um, through the first week, uh, the Nuggets are, the Denver Nuggets are picking up right where they left off. I think they're the best team in the league still, and not only that, but I don't think it's particularly close. I mean, Jokic is playing at a near MVP level. Jamal Murray finally had a a good offseason, um, and it's showing. I mean, even losing Bruce Brown, they're still, like, I mean, they... They, they beat my Oklahoma City Thunder by, I think it was like 33. I mean, they're they're by far the best team. Uh, and then my second one is that Tyrese Maxey for the Philadelphia 76ers uh, should be the front runner for most improved all year. Um, you know, they obviously all of the James Harden drama going on, him staying away from the team, not wanting to come back has really opened the door for uh, for Maxi to uh, kind of insert himself as that number two on their team. Um, and he's been lighting it up. I think he's averaging like 30 points a game. Uh, and I know they've only played two or three games, but he's he's been impressive to watch. Uh, so those are my two kind of takeaways from, from week one in the NBA. I will say real quick on Tyrese Maxi, I feel like when Harden does come back, um, honestly, I think Harden hurts his development. Yeah, I think that they should stick with Maxi's their their point guard, and Harden should come off the bench. I agree. <laughs> That's a good joke. Um, not saying that I disagree with you, but James Harden would not come off the bench. <laughs> he would retire first. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my takeaways here. Um, my first one is that the Milwaukee Bucks are great with Damian Lillard, but. I think Giannis needs to keep playing like it's his team and not Dame's. You know, he had that press conference where he was like, oh, this is Dame's team. We need to run through him. Giannis, my guy, you are the probably the best player on the planet. That's your damn team. Play like it. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about here. Dame is a great shooter. Don't get me wrong. He's probably, like, one of the top three best shooters, like, in the last 20 years. It, that's Giannis's team. Um, and then my second takeaway is that Golden State with CP3 is going to be way, way better than people thought. I mean, they didn't have Draymond for that first game, 
CP3, man, he just commanded that offense. Steph got to play shooting guard, um, which, I mean, that's basically what he plays anyway when Draymond's on the floor, but it's like they just didn't miss a beat. And then uh, Draymond came back and CP3 came off the bench. Man, that team is going to be just fine. Yep. <clears throat> All right, well, any any final thoughts over this episode? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Cool. Well, we kept everyone over our hour and a half uh, last week. We went about an hour 48. This week, uh, we're way under that, so I will keep this outro short and sweet. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to us. Um, as always, you can find us on your favorite app, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an upload. You can listen to all the Bengals bias from Justin Tavner you want. Uh, you can listen to my proclamation that Will Levis is the GOAT. Um, and all the other crazy fun takes you're going to get here on the rundown. So on behalf of Justin, this is Ben. Hope you guys have a wonderful day and uh, tighten up. Who day? <laughs>